This is Yumi, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Funk you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. You're checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and my guest in studio with me this week is Yumi. She's a great singer, model, YouTuber. Um, She's the niece of Steve Aoki, and she signed to his Denmark label. And uh, what I love about Yumi is that in addition to making cool music on, uh, on her social channels, she, she talks really openly about the struggles she's had with mental health, with anxiety, with self-confidence, um, really, you know, setting a role model for the rest of us to kind of be open and talk about these things. And on our show, she gives us some insight into how she's overcome some of those challenges and, and is still overcoming them. Great stuff coming up right after our EDM.com track of the week. Shopport and Cash for Gold with Awake, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com and check out more new music. And now let's get into the interview with Yumi. How are you? Good, how are you? Great now. Aww. I have a new business idea. Uh, I thought you meant because we're here, but... That's why. Because you're using here. us for our business. Yeah, of course. No, I'm great. I'm excited to talk to you. Appreciate you uh, making time for us. Mike Jones has been a big help to us since we Aww. started. You know, we all brings love us Mike Jones. great people. Hello. Mike Jones is the best. Absolutely. Yeah, my voice is gone. I don't know where it went, but that's cool. And I love talking to Dimac people. <clears throat> Lee's an old friend. Lovely. And uh, Steve and I did a club together in 2005, five, six. Something That's like that. an amazing throwback. Yeah, so I used yeah. to be at Herb Magazine. I was head of marketing there. Okay. And Steve, I think he had Cinespace and was kind of like starting out on everything else. And so yeah. we, did a, we did a thing together called Loose Tooth, which was a mess. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. He has, he has so many projects always always but it's interesting to hear in the beginning uh-huh. in like 2000 when he was no one yeah just like dabbling in a million things just like now yeah 
And now he has all the success, but before. For sure. It was like trial and error until something stuck. There's a little bit of uh, kind of just act as if, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not that like, you know, he's always from, as far as I know him, he's always been humble and just a cool person. But, you know, I noticed then like, he just had kind of a flow that was like, we're here, we're doing this, and then he's going to go do something else and just kind of keep it moving. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is a cool way to be. Oh, yeah. It's very inspiring and um, makes everyone else feel lazy in the family. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. But luckily, like, me and my sister have the natural... I feel like everyone in our family has the natural drive to do so anyways. So it's not like we're forcing ourselves yeah. to be like that. It's just like we're all kind of inspired by each other and the work ethic in our family. Because my grandpa was like that. And sure. he kind of created that atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and that legacy to continue on. Did you know him? Yeah. Yeah. But he passed away when I was 11. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know him right. that well. But I'm the oldest grandchild. So I know him more mm -hmm. than anyone else, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so what did you, I mean, you kind of know that legacy, but, but what did you take from him as far as that's concerned? Um, I mean, it's so, I, I experienced him more as a granddaughter, mm -hmm. you know, because when you're 11, you're not like, I want to do like music. I want to do restaurants. Like, tell me what, sure. you know, um, but I think it was just like at that age, following him around and seeing his impact with Benihana and like how people um, respect him mm -hmm. as a Japanese business owner yeah. was inspiring for me. And I didn't really realize it until later on looking back. Because right. when you're 11 and that's like the first thing that you know, you yeah. think that it's normal. Sure. And then you realize that it's not normal. <laughs> um, I didn't even know that Benihana was like a big restaurant right. until I moved to California when I was 15. Where were you? I was in Annapolis. Oh, okay. And like no one knew what that was. Right, they didn't, there's no Benihana out Yeah, I was there. like, oh yeah, my grandpa owned a restaurant named Benihana and they were like, oh cool, like, I don't know what that is, yeah. whatever. And then um, I was in class in, it was like one of my first days in freshman year at a new school and we were talking about like our favorite restaurants and stuff and someone's like, Benihana, and I'm like, is that right? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, wait, people know what Benihana is? Yeah. And then it was in that song, like, Benny Han Han cooking all the wontons. It was a big song by someone. It was on the really? radio. And I was just screaming. Someone. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't know It was that. just, like, popping up everywhere. And I'm like, and then I kind of, because my mom would be like, yeah, you know, he did a lot. And this is a New York Times article. And I had yeah. no idea. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of unraveled for me in my teen years and I was like very influential guy that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah that's I mean that's always interesting to discover that it's sort of not you know I always feel like our our parents or our grandparents like we we just we don't know who they are we mm -hmm. just know them as mom and dad or whatever yeah and then to sort of discover who they are out in the world is, is interesting and especially in your case <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it, but it's the same thing, uh, you know, my grandfathers were not famous or, but, uh, still influential. Yeah, certainly yeah. within their circles. And it took me years too to sort of 
understand what I took from them. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm equally influenced by my dad's side mm -hmm. that um, they live in Pennsylvania. They live a very simple life. They're introverted. They're beautiful, kind, humble people. Mm -hmm. And not that my mom's side isn't, but I take away different things from my dad's side, like patience and learning how to relax. Yeah. <laughs> um, and humor and different things. Um, so I, I definitely, I think it's cool because I'm not in a complete celebrity family. Mm -hmm. I have like both sides to teach me different things. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Rebel Radio is brought to you by HoneyBook. Uh, over at Rebel Industries, the parent company for the Rebel Radio Show, we work with a ton of freelancers. We use copywriters, producers, editors, designers, everything we can think of. We try to hire the best people we can. Um, we hire them because they're great at what they do, but they're not always great at some of the business details, proposals, invoices, contracts, that kind of stuff. We're talking about small business owners, solo entrepreneurs, um, people with, with talent and creativity and skills. And, and I think they should be using HoneyBook and maybe so should you. If you're not familiar, HoneyBook is an all-in-one business management platform. It makes it easy to manage your business with uh, automated features and templates for contracts, proposals, invoices. You can get paid faster. There's calendars so you don't forget what you're supposed to do. Um, it's really a great system and uh, really, really streamlines and simplifies managing a business. It allows you to save time and do more of what you do or do more sitting on the beach or whatever the hell you're going to do. That's why we partnered with HoneyBook.com to offer Rebel Radio listeners 50% off the first year of HoneyBook with your promo code REBEL. So get over to HoneyBook.com today. Use the promo code REBEL for 50% off your first year. Again, that's HoneyBook.com promo code REBEL. So let's talk about you though. Um, when did you first, so going back kind of to, to music as, at the beginning, as you said at 11, you weren't thinking about that. Um, I kind of was though. Were you? Yeah. Do you but, remember the first record? Like, around musically. Do you, do you remember the first record you ever like fell in love with? Um, <laughs> my first CD ever was um, the Black Eyed Peas. I forgot. It, had, it was the one with my humps on it. Okay. <laughs> That's all I remember because I was like, I felt so like rebellious listening to it all the time. Is that right? Yeah. Um, how, so how old are you at that point? Uh, maybe like 11 or no, maybe younger. I can't remember, but that was just, but you were old enough to know that that song was like, yeah, too old for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't funk with my heart. Okay. I don't know if funk is the word that is really used, but oh, that's really? what I remember yeah. at the time. Um, that's good. They got you the clean version. Yeah. I, my dad got it for me for Christmas and cause at the time CDs were, how you listen to music, yeah, you know? Sure. Um, I'm young enough to be a Spotify person, but like old enough to remember CDs. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so Black Eyed Peas was my first CD, and 
that was like my favorite group at the time. Mm -hmm. I can't, I think I was influenced by... Is there one member that you identified with? Definitely Fergie, because uh-huh. she's the only woman in the sure. group, and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and I can't really remember my personal um, influences at the time, but I my I grew up with my dad listening to like Maxwell and mm-hmm. a Tribe Called Quest, and um, he loves Jill Scott. Big fan of Jill Scott. Erica Badu, house music, mixes, um, lots of electronic, and, and then my mom was on the other side, like, Goo Goo Dolls, Smashing Pumpkins, U2. Okay. (laughs) Um, and so I loved both, but I always leaned towards my dad's side. Sure. Um, and so I think, and he loved Black Eyed Peas as well, and I think it was, like, something that we bonded over, so Mm -hmm. that was why it was my first CD. But I can't really remember anything, any other CDs or albums at that time. And then when did you, when did you start singing or making your own music? I started singing, I remember I had, my parents got me a boombox with um, disco balls on the end. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I remember I was six or seven and I had like a Now 7 CD or uh-huh. something. And um, and I was obsessed with the song Celebration. Okay. Not so much anymore, even though it's a classic. Um, but I just like <laughs> repeated that song so much. And I would invite my grandparents and people like to come over. Like the Cooler Gang song? Yeah. Okay. I would invite my grandparents and family members to come over and I'd perform for them with the disco ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a boombox with a disco balls on it. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I know. They have to recreate it. We got my son's little plug-in disco balls. But not on a boombox. No. Yeah. I mean, that's another, cool. another business idea. I, I got to look that up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's really a business idea. But um, <laughs> it is funny because, you know, I'm a lot older than you. And so, I, you know, when I grew up, like, I grew up before the Walkman. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Walkman came out when I was a kid. Yeah. But before that, like, boomboxes were everywhere. Like, you know, and you'd be on the bus or at the beach or at the park or at school or, you know, people are just playing music for everyone around. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Walkman, like, totally changed the world in the sense that all of a sudden you could listen to music just by yourself, which is such an interesting difference, right? Because, you know, before that, like, you had no choice but to share <laughs> your music with everyone. Yeah, you're just kind of stuck. Or you're, more importantly, you're stuck next to the person with the boombox, right? Because whatever yeah. they're playing, that's what you're listening to. I imagine to. that that's like the vintage version of an aux cord, right? That's maybe my least favorite thing about being married is like having cord? to listen to my wife's music <laughs> in the car. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I, I mean. can't relate to that problem. It's great if that's like the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure. But it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and now my son, like, he's has a, it's a whole different thing. We're not here to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. You had the boombox and you started performing. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that I started younger than that, but that was my... When was the first time you performed for people who weren't family? Um, I remember I did a recital at maybe 11 or 12. Like, um, talent shows. Uh-huh. 
I've just always wanted to yeah. sing. And Did you just love being on stage? Was that like? Yes and no. I've I've had pretty bad anxiety my whole life, mm. but it's never stopped me from doing music and like what I what I love. Um, it's, it's just it's been crippling at times. And I remember being younger. It wasn't like I was like this ham that like could perform in front of anyone. Uh-huh. Um, it's always it was always a struggle. And I think I've definitely gotten so much better in the recent years. Like I'm fine now. Um, but it was, it wasn't always easy, didn't always come easy, but it, it's like my passion for singing and music. So is always can we talk about that for a minute? Cause I, I've seen some of your videos and you, you've talked about anxiety and I know that that's, um, you know, that's one of the things that we wrestle with as a society, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a ton of anxiety out there. For sure. And what I love that you've talked about is just kind of doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I I don't really have anxiety, so I'm not necessarily qualified to speak on it. But mm-hmm. but my belief anyway has been that the way you get over fear of doing something is by doing it. Mm-hmm. Like that that's the Absolutely. only way to get over yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um. So. So what have you done? You say you've it's gotten better. Like, what what have you done that's been helpful or what have you tried that's not been helpful um actually therapy has helped me Mm -hmm. a lot my mom is a marriage and family therapist so it's not a taboo thing in our family (laughs) to go to therapy it's it's actually encouraged to process our feelings and talk about things um but talking about fears with a therapist my therapist actually specializes in performance anxiety wow which like i didn't know when i walked in Um, he actually, he told me later on, but I was like, okay, that's perfect. Um, so talking it out with my therapist and then he takes me through like this spiral of like, okay, well, why are you afraid? And then like, okay, well, do you need to be afraid? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. Could you die? And like goes all the way down to the bottom and you're like, actually, I have no real reason to have all this tension and anxiety about something that's not going to kill me yeah you know what i mean yeah like people are just people yeah and though it's scary at the time um the more you do it it's like it's like when you first start driving and you're like oh i don't know what to do and you feel like you're gonna crash every second and then the more you drive um then you could like i'm, I'm not saying that i drive with my knees but like you could drive with your knees sure. <laughs> if you wanted to well it's, it's like second I mean, it's nature. important when you're texting you need your knees. <laughs> you said it, I didn't, but <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like anything new. Yeah. Where you have this um, this fear of the unknown and stuff that you haven't done before, but then the more you do it, the more well versed you are, and the less you fear it. Yeah. So what what happens now when anxiety comes up? Like, how do you? Um, so I say I say that I have. Um, tools but it's really just like mental exercises like I take myself through the spiral of questions Mm. like why am I afraid right now and then I'll be like because I don't want to look dumb or like I don't want to forget the words and it's like okay but what's the worst that could happen if you do it's like well people remember it for a second it's like okay but people move on and then it just keeps going and and then again I'm left at the bottom where it's like do I really need to waste my energy being afraid of this you know it's just 30 minutes of my life or 
an hour of my life and I'm just going to move on. Yeah. You know, people are going to move on. And I think the important thing is, is that my mom always says this, is that when you're so consumed in what other people think about you, you have to remember that everyone's thinking about themselves and worrying mm -hmm. about themselves and no one is really worrying or thinking about you. I love that. So my wife moved here from uh, Miami and when she got here, like every night she would have this thing of, about what to wear, <laughs> which I know is not uncommon. Yeah, for um, sure. But I always used to say to her, you know, L.A. is such a, um, everyone's just worried about themselves. And I think that's true around the world, but, yeah. but in L.A. we're oh, especially yeah. self-centered. Yeah. And I was like, you can walk in naked and nobody <laughs> would even notice because yeah. they're worried about how they look. Exactly. But for everything. Right. You know, everything. it's like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about my music? And they might right. um, like love a song or hate a song. But again, it's like a small part of their day. It's not going to consume their life. They're not going to be thinking about how much they hate something that you did or love something that you did all day. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's like the biggest thing that I hold on to um, with my anxiety of performing and music and everything that I do because it's really like no one cares that much about mm -hmm. other people you know right yeah yeah um so when how did you come to music as a career what was the moment when you decided this is what I'm gonna do I remember being and you know in class when you're younger and everyone's like oh you know career days and what do you want to do when you grow up and I've always wanted to be a singer. Mm. I've put that on like every like arts and crafts paper. Um, and like, like written in macaroni? <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Definitely. I'm sure I have some macaroni um, arts and crafts at home with that. Yeah, sure. And, and I feel like so many, a lot of people, they never change their answer, but so many people do. You know, it's like that, that childhood belief of like I could be an astronaut or I could be yeah. president which like some people do that um, but it's rare most of us don't most of you don't um, but I I've always wanted to do this and so it's it's not a matter of when it's a matter of like I guess how okay. I like when I created a game plan I guess mm. um, because my, I mean, I'm still in school, mm -hmm. majoring in graphic design. Oh, cool. Um, just for my own tools and my own skills set. Um, and, and my parents also wanted me to go to school because um, they're Asian. <laughs> well, my mom's Asian. But anyways, like, they think it's important, and I agree. Yeah. Um, but so I was in school for a year. Um, or I was in, in, in school attending physically for three years mm -hmm. and I wasn't doing music and I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. Like I, I, um, like it's always been on my mind, but I was like, wasn't really pursuing it. Like I'd write songs and like perform here and there, um, but I didn't have any producers or, mm -hmm. um, networks of people or a team or a label or anything. Like I was, I had nothing but like me and my ukulele <laughs> and my MacBook Pro, uh -huh. just like recording what I can. And I just felt like the most depressed I ever felt in my life. 
Wow. Um, because I feel like after high school, especially, you're like looking at certain people and you're like, oh, like they're doing what they want to do. Like, why can't I do that? Why am I stuck in school for eight hours a day learning about like stupid general ed stuff that I that's never going to apply to me in life? Like, not sure. that I don't love geology, but like, right. That I don't care about geology. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So I was super miserable. Um, and I had this. I had this commercial manager at the time who was really pushing me to do the voice. Mm. And and I was like, no, like, I don't know. And I was, I just didn't have the confidence to do the voice. Because there's these people on the show that perform on street corners and mm-hmm. have so much experience and they like eat, sleep and breathe music. And I'm in school just like, I don't know, chilling. Okay. Um, and so... So I, I auditioned for The Voice in this, like, mass cattle call with, like, oh, wow. thousands and thousands of people. And, um, and I was shaking and, like, didn't move, and I was just super still. And then they put me through the, to the next round, and I was like, what? What's that feeling? I was in shock yeah. because I really didn't, at the time, I didn't think that I had potential mm. to do it. Um, and I think I was 18 at the time. Um, but then, so I came back for the next round and I think it's like a few hundred people mm-hmm. and I performed for them and it was like executives, more official people. And they put me through to the next round. And, and then I was like, oh my gosh. So I went to this hotel with like 200 people. Yeah. And they put us in these rooms and it was like um, very intense and official. Sure. And I was like, I can't believe that I'm here right now. Like I'm in a, they put me in a hotel room. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, it was surreal, but feeling, not that like people's opinions are everything, but feeling the confidence that like, oh, I'm, I do have something mm-hmm. that these people see. Um, I didn't make it through that round. It took like three weeks to hear from them because um, it was like the the final executives of right. like, I forgot what the network is, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I didn't make it through that round and that that's the round to audition for the TV round. Okay. And then once you get on the TV round, not everyone is even picked to audition for the TV round. Right. So it's crazy. Like people are there or prepping for a month and they like have to tell their families like, oh, I'm doing like jury duty or something. Oh, really? Or like they have to make up an excuse. Like they can't say why they're there. Yeah, I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was kind of a blessing because I needed the confidence just from the auditions to move on. Yeah. Um, and I was reconnecting with my now manager, Eliza, at the time of auditioning. Hi, Eliza. For the voice. <laughs> um, and once I got off, um, once I got declined from the voice, I went to her uh, house and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I want to do music, but I, you know, I, I just, I was like, I was really pumped at the time. I was like, I want to do music so bad, but I don't, I don't have any producers. I don't, okay. I don't know what to do. And <clears throat> she was like, I have this friend, a new friend of mine. And he produces and maybe I'll link you guys and and like people have always said that yeah so I was like oh okay sure, sure. and then she made it happen we like to talk in LA 
Yeah, yeah. we do. And I, I was in Orange County at the time, so I'm like, mm, I don't know, like kind of um, uh, careful mm-hmm. of LA and, and things. Not that I don't trust you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she connected mm. us and and he and she are like my closest friends now and he produced my whole EP. So boy, I love you, this is it, you have my heart And now I know you can't to be apart Like still nice. so much of what I'm doing now. What's his name? Kahan. Okay. Yeah. Um, and at the time I was also reaching out to SoundCloud producers, just like really digging yeah. through digital crates, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like collabing with them and like so many of them have never come out because they were terrible because like people just you know everyone's a producer sure um but just like finding one yeah um has i guess it's like how i started my career it's been um i'd say like 2016 it was like going really like a lot faster Mm -hmm. because i was like doing just like singing lessons and like things here and there. But then when I started making music, it was like 2016 until now. Um, and I just haven't stopped. So think about that experience with the voice. What, what do you think you took from that? Um, I definitely took that there are so many talented people and so many untalented people that are really confident. Sure. Um, and also inspired by their confidence, Yeah. you know, Um, and so I took that, like, there are so many talented people, um, but also like so many different styles Mm -hmm. and like that there's room for everyone to have their own art. Um, and also that just like for me personally, I took that I am good enough to be successful by executive producers or yeah. whoever, um, good enough to make it through the rounds mm-hmm. when I didn't think I was good enough to even make it through the first round. So I think it, it kind of proved to me that like I can do it. Um, but, and, and I should have done it with or without their validation. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was young and depressed in school and I needed something to tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I- we, I think when we look out at the world, we, we assume that confidence and ability are, go hand in hand, and they really, I think, have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I think that's where fake it till you make it comes in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but some people are just confident. Yeah. For no, no reason that we could understand by looking at their performance. But some people actually, like, skate by and are able to make careers from just being like, yeah, I can do that. And yeah. they really, like lying on your resume. Right, <laughs> you I guess me. I, mean, <laughs> I don't really have a resume, but yeah. I just, you know. Like, oh, Google it at home. Just kind of do stuff. And then yeah. see where it takes you. Yeah. Um, okay. What about, um, so you're, you model also. Mm-hmm. And you have this, this uh, all this work on YouTube. So how do you navigate all that? Um, right now, things are balanced pretty well. I'd say yeah. I'm focusing more on music um, 
at times because of like deadlines and, and sure. dates to drop things. Um, but I'd say that modeling, it's really just like coordinating with teams. Like I have Eliza as my manager mm -hmm. and Wilhelmina as my agents. Um, and it's really just important to like book out things so that things don't get scheduled on the same day, right. which like has happened before. I'm and it's sure. Not fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just like coordinating and having shared calendars and um, and staying organized. And I think that's. Um, what do you do to stay organized? I have lists and yeah. and I love like emailing like to people. List? No. No. No, I, I don't know. I can't I can't get behind notebooks no. entirely because I'm just too stressful. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I just, like, confirming with people until they respond, which, like, you have to be aggressive mm -hmm. um, or, like, following up because I'm naturally a passive person, but I've learned to be more aggressive because it's my career yeah. on the line, and yeah. I can't just be like, I don't want to, like, be annoying. Sure. You know, it's like I have to be annoying if I want to make sure that everything is... I met um, this guy that <clears throat> was super annoying and also successful. And yeah. he had this little phrase that he's, he's like an old school, like sales guy. And he used to say like, I'd rather be famous for being annoying than for being broke. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Still annoying, but, yeah. but so what? Like, yeah. But yeah. if you, I guess you've, if you want, I mean, I'm not still like not the most. You don't seem very annoying. Thank you. That's, that means a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I could be more, I mean, I'm still like a passive person, but I'm with business. I, I'm not like, I used to be so scared of like my agents and like mm. saying too much or, oh, right. you know, but, um, don't want to bother people. Yeah. I don't want to bother them. Like they have so many things, but like uh, now I'll just like email, keep emailing, like just a reminder. So how do you, um, when you get stuck, when you get like, when, when your thought is, I don't want to bother them, mm -hmm. but you know you have to, what do you do or what do you say to yourself? Like, how do you push through that? Um, I guess for me, it's this year, it's separating business and personal. Mm. Like, I was really obsessed with, I'm a people pleaser, so I want everyone to be friends with me and I, you know, want them to like me. Um, not so much anymore, but it really consumed me at, at a time. And so for me, it was like, I don't want my agents to think I'm annoying. I don't want my manager to think that I'm annoying. I don't want my label. You know, I just like yeah. cared what they thought about me. But then my mom, um, who at times has been very much a momager, um, said to me that, you know, at the end of the day, these people go home. They're not thinking like, right. oh, what's, oh, Yumi's so annoying. Or like, oh, Yumi this, like I'm. Sure, at times they take that home. I don't know if that's true. I mean, not, not about you, but yeah. I know a lot of managers who are just like, oh, my clients. Just yeah. like, you know. But I again, mean, it's not, people don't think about people as much as we think they do. Okay. Right? I mean, that's just like my thought. Like, um, and even if they don't like me, like I have to do what I have to do to sure. make sure my career is yeah. going well. So... Maybe they do think about me when they go home. It's probably their I, I'm really like not that aggressive. I think I sound more aggressive than um, than what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter if we're best friends right. or if we're friends at all. I don't think yeah. um, friends is like a, 
always the best thing to be mm -hmm. in certain situations. But um, first, they're in business with me, and then second, maybe we could be friends. But like, I have to focus on my career. For the record, you're not annoying at all. No, I. <laughs> Cut this part I know, out. but we're friends we first, Eliza. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, so back to being annoying. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, first of all, the fact that you're, like, conscientious about it means you're not that annoying. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. then there are some people that are just like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, all the, the, the only thing that matters is what matters yeah. to me. I which, still care so much yeah so much but i yeah. but you know but we're talking about it because that's an important piece of um i don't think anyone gets to be successful without being inconvenient to somebody mm -hmm. especially themselves very true right yeah. but there's so many barriers that you have to push through mm -hmm. um um and you so you talked about feedback and and the confidence that comes with making it through the next round, etc. Yeah, yeah. What about the other side of that? What What's been the toughest feedback? Um. I mean, I I got tough feedback on the voice. Mm -hmm. Um. The they actually the next round is usually the next day. Right. Um. <clears throat> but they gave me six months to work on performance Whoa. confidence. So I went to the next round and the next um, section of uh -huh. auditions for the next season. Yeah. So, so I worked with a coach for those six months, and I came back and then I made it through that round. But cool. I was like working like yeah. weekly, two to three hours a week, um, and and so. But for me, it nothing has been like super heartbreaking. I think, I mean, I've definitely, I was someone that took things so personal yeah. um, in life until recently, until I've um, started seeing a therapist and going through those mm -hmm. tools. Um, but I think that nothing, things will break my heart for a second, but I never, it's never been me to just like stop and sulk and keep that, um, keep to let that keep me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. Like my passion always outweighs the heartbreak of rejection. Yeah. Um, and I think like when I first started um, with Kahan and, and the EP was being played around to people before it came out. Of course, like it got, people were like, oh, I don't really like this. Or like um, I played it for this producer that I was collabing with and he's like, it's kind of sloppy, like things don't, um, they aren't really, it's kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that was the first opinion ever. And I was like, Ugh. Right. Because <laughs> I just spent like so yeah, much sure. of my, it's like my heart, right. you know, a part of my heart. So that, I feel like my first experiences um, with collaborating with like producers and um, them hearing my stuff it like started out hard mm -hmm. and again I think like when you start out a certain way you think that that is normal sure and so I like started out with that opinion <clears throat> and then and then I heard better opinions but I got both but I yeah. think it, it it was like the norm for me for mm -hmm. a sec and so it made me tougher because I'm like 
I had to learn that just because someone doesn't like your art doesn't mean that it's bad for everyone. Like, it's like if you walk into an art gallery, you and me are not going to be like, oh, yeah, we love all the same pieces. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. something that I just learned or just realized recently because I, I was still really attached to, like, people not liking my stuff. Um, oh, I think that's tempting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? You put a piece of you yourself want, into yeah, the work. Yeah, you want people and to then, connect with it. Sure. So I'm just reading this book. Uh, I was reading this morning that um, kind of on this topic, and the, and the guy said, um, when people tell you what's wrong with your work, they're almost always right. And when they tell you how to fix it, they're almost always wrong, which I That's thought was cool. just a yeah interesting perspective. Yeah. And ultimately, it's, it's up to you to kind of find the way that works for you, but that that outside yeah. feedback is really important. Yeah. I was in a place where I was, I'm not, I'm not a defensive person in that sense. Like, I'll be like, yeah, like, I'll change whatever you want, you know? Right. Um, and I'm not that person anymore. But in the beginning, I was like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I suck. <laughs> but then um, realizing, like, the art gallery idea mm -hmm. like just because they think something is bad and if I really like it and I know in my heart that I that I like that beat or whatever that they're criticizing like I have to do what I want at the end of the day as an artist because right. it's my art it's not theirs yeah but of course I'll take constructive criticism if I agree with it because it's an outside perspective and I might not always um, see it or realize it yeah so how long were you working on music before you released something two years okay well I was working on the EP for two years mm -hmm. I um, was I found this producer named almost on SoundCloud and we were sending things back and forth for a few months and then he sent me this track and I sent him like um, a vocal the next day and then we put it out I think the next month and that was pretty Did you fast. guys ever meet in person? Yeah. Okay. Well, later on, actually. Yeah. It was, and we lived like 30 minutes away from each other. Oh, that's it was funny. just like scheduling. Yeah. Um, and then. But to, so the whole time you're collaborating, you hadn't met? No. I think that's a, such an interesting thing. I mean, that's that's kind of a new so, yeah. phenomenon, right? That, you know, usually, you know, the, the collaborations have always been about two people in a room together. Yeah. Not anymore. No. Not in this age. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was, like, working with people in, like, Belgium and yeah. Europe. Um, and so we put out that song in, like, a month, and it was just growing and growing and growing. And then we did another song later on. It took, like, three months to come out. Mm -hmm. um, but we were, me and Kehan uh, finished the EP before that second song came out. And we were sitting on it waiting for... I was dying to put it out. I'm like, let's just put it out independently. And then my manager was like, no, like, let's wait for a label. Let's see what we can do with this. Yeah. Um, and then Dimmock picked it up. But it was with, like, the scheduling of re-releasing the first song mm -hmm. and then the second song and then working with the label on their schedule, it took two years. So at what point did you um, bring your music to Steve? And what was that? Obviously, it's very different yeah. playing it for your uncle. Is <laughs> this famous musician than, you know, the other people that had given you feedback. Yeah. I feel like I've always been bringing my music to him. Okay. Um, like my mom, she she is kind of a momager. She uh -huh. 
I remember being like 13 or 14 and she's like sing for him sing for him and like me and my sister sang from him acapella like off tune really really bad like a Beyonce cover which I awesome. definitely shouldn't have chosen which um, song Halo okay it was so bad just you know just let Beyonce be Beyonce um yeah so then I didn't have any like recorded things to show him but then I showed him um a song that I recorded with someone else that like never went anywhere in 2015 mm. and he was like this is really good and that was like it and then I showed him I'm sorry the song that I did with or no I showed him I showed him another like bad SoundCloud collab in 2013 so I was like dabbling here and there mm -hmm. um just never consistently and I showed right. him that one and he was like this is really good and then he said that there's a ceiling for artists and everyone's just trying to swim to the top. Okay. And then when I, when I make it to the top of the ceiling and I need to break through, then he'll help me. Mm. But I need to swim to the top of the ceiling. And so I was like, okay, I just got to swim to the top of the ceiling. That was so like, did you know what to do with that advice when you got it? I just figured it meant make a name for myself. Okay. Like, and I didn't know exactly what that looked like because I was so long ago mm -hmm. um but i yeah so i was just like okay i gotta make a name for myself i gotta make a name for myself just by myself and i didn't think that he would help me when i showed him my ep um and when i showed him my ep i was just asking for an opinion right. like i never expected him to put anything out anywhere or to yeah. share anything yeah. because of the ceiling thing um, and just because, like, I want to make a name for myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a leech. So I showed him the EP, and I was like, yeah. Um, his friend Jacob was like, oh, yeah, maybe we could put it out here on this um, side label. And I was like, yeah, maybe Jacob can do something with it. And then he's like, or we could put it out on Dimock. And I was like, cool. I was like, what? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> and I, I didn't, I, I just, I mean, I didn't argue. I was just like, yeah, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, and ever since then, he's every song that I've shown him, he's like, yeah, Dimock, Dimock, Dimock. Um, and and then I've gotten like really close to the label, and I've just become like a Dimock artist. And it was just yeah. kind of unintentionally. Um, and he shares every song on social media with swipe up links, and is just like the most supportive person ever. Um, and I mean, we've gotten close. We've gotten so close mm -hmm. in the past few years um, that I think it's not it's not something that's like random because I know that it's like a per it's like my a really close uncle is like proud of his niece. Yeah, you know it's not yeah, like it's not like a business thing. It's right. like I'm genuinely proud of you and I want to share this with my fans. Hey, if you're enjoying this one, let's go back into Rebel Radio archives. Uh, another great Timac artist, Rel, my man, um, 
is coming from the Jersey club scene, uh, making just crazy, crazy beats. And he's got some great stories to tell about that culture and, and what it's like uh, living in LA across the country from that scene and kind of helping to, to spread the word. Great interview with Rel, if you want to get into that one after you finish up here with Yumi. What do you think, so besides the swimming to the ceiling, which is, it's a cool, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, what do you think you learned from Steve? Oh my gosh, so much. My brain will explode. Yeah? Um, give, us, give us one big takeaway. One thing is, one time he said that, uh, he performs at Omnia and a lot of these Vegas nightclubs a lot. And my song just came out and he was like, where were you the other night? I was gonna have you perform sirens at omni or whatever and i was like what oh my god you have to tell me these things beforehand he's like you got to always be ready right and i was like oh my gosh i have to always be ready but i think that that's a good um or at least act like you're ready sure. like you can't be like screaming you know right um yeah so i think always be ready um always be confident enough to be ready i mm -hmm. guess so that's a huge thing that i've learned this year and, I mean, he's kind of like a take every opportunity type of person. Um, and definitely, like, the way he carries himself and treats people is, I think, the biggest lesson for me. Because, like, yeah. we, we come from, like, I was kind of not raised by my grandma, but um, his mom and my mom's mom, my grandma lived with us mm -hmm. through my whole high school experience so like mm. i'm influenced by her yeah and like the way that she raised them as well and just like treating everyone no matter if they're famous or not no matter if it's like a homeless person or like kim kardashian you know right. just the same um with the same kindness and mm -hmm. humility and um and he never really talks bad about I mean, he's never talked bad about anyone in the industry, even if they're controversial. Uh -huh. um, and I think he's just like a forgiving person. Like no one's canceled and like everyone has a chance if they want to change and just like very positive. Um, and, and I think that's just like genuinely his heart yeah. is just to be just like positive and like wanting to be friends with anyone. Um, and that's really inspiring for me because I think it's popular to get on the hate wagon of like, of oh, like they suck or like they're weird, right. <laughs> um, which is like not me. But it's it's uh, very easy with social media as well. Yes, yeah, so I noticed, you know, on your YouTube and, and I think you're, um, you know, you seem very open. Obviously, you talk about topics that are really personal and, um, you know, I think it's tempting how can I say it? Like you feel much more of a YouTuber than a musician on YouTube, right? Because I think musicians tend to be very kind of locked into their persona mm -hmm. and they're kind of performing at all times. Um, is there a, is that intentional to be that um, open? And is there a, is there a downside to it? It seems like your comments on YouTube are all very supportive and which yeah. is sort of not the way it always is on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm really bad at having a persona. Okay. You know, like I feel like a lot of official 
people in LA and like agents and managers and like no one from my team, but just like outside people um, are always, and like it works for people. So I understand what they're saying. I'm not like trying to diss them, but you know, like be more like this, like walk into a room and be like, I'm here or like, you know, so it's encouraging a little bit of an ego or a little bit of a guard. Sure. Um, And, and even like, I've thought about even trying and I just can't do it. Yeah. Because it just feels wrong for me because I'm just, I was raised as an open book. Like my mom is like, process your feelings, like be vulnerable. So like vulnerability. It's gotta be crazy growing up with a therapist. (laughs) Yeah, because she was a therapist even before she was a therapist. You know what I mean? So vulnerability has been always easy for me my whole life, almost too easy at times. Um, So have you seen since you've been kind of out in the public, have you seen a downside to that? Um, Or should we all just be more vulnerable? I think I've learned to balance because at times I was too vulnerable, sharing too much online. That's why like a big percentage of my videos are gone. I'm trying to start fresh. Oh, really? Yeah, um, because I was so vulnerable to the point where I thought no one could hurt me mm. and that anything that I said was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you grow as a person over the years and you're like, oh, I'm, I don't agree with the things that I said when right. I was 18. And yeah, I, shouldn't, sure. I shouldn't be sharing things. Um, I'm glad no one knows what I said when I was 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can you imagine if that no. was like public history? Yeah, so I, I've realized now that there's a balance to be had um, and to like guard your heart to a certain extent because yeah. not everyone is as nice as they um, portray themselves. Sure. And like some people do want to hurt you. I mean, did you run into that or was that more of like a precaution? I think I, I ran into it a little bit, but it was enough for me to realize, oh, I need to balance that. And I think I learned that from my mom and like people who are extremely vulnerable that actually carry it in a nice balanced way Mm -hmm. where I was just like word vomiting on people all the time, which I do sometimes, but I learn how to do it now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What's next? So we have some singles coming out in the new year. I think the first single is coming out in February. Um, I have a big campaign that I can't talk about yet, Cool, which is exciting. And yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for the new music because my EP that just came out was two years old and I've been working on stuff during that time. So I think for people to hear my new sound and, um, something that represents me now is so exciting for me. And is the thinking, I know that, you know, with streaming, like the, the way that artists release music keeps changing. Um, And so two years sounds like a long time between putting out releases. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, um, like is the plan to kind of operate that way? Not necessarily two years, but you know, I know other artists are like just dropping singles, Mm -hmm. you know, back to back. How how have you, how do you think about that sort of strategy? Um, So, I mean, my uncle waited three years for Neon Future 3 right. and just came out. So it's not a uncommon thing sure. for artists. I think now, like re- my first EP, um, we put out two singles first and the two singles did good. And then the last three on the EP 
were kind of unnoticed. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm realizing now I've known for a long time that our generation's attention span is like six seconds long. Yeah. They don't want to hear a four or five minute song. Right. They don't want to watch a video that's 10 minutes long. Like they want bite sized content yeah. and they want something that they could focus their attention on. So I think that singles is where it's at mm -hmm. for especially new artists. Because yeah. if you give them like a 10 song album and no one knows who you are, no one's going right. to listen, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, you talk about three years, like it's very different when you're Steve Aoki. <laughs> yeah. All you these have other people projects waiting. going yeah. on, people are waiting or yeah. they're, you know, yeah. But when you're developing that. It's um, better to show them like one right. great song that represents you and you want to share with people and then let them spoil all their attention on that. Yeah for a while until you do yeah. give them the next one and then they can give their attention on that instead of, um, not that I regret my EP because I learned a lot of lessons sure. and I love it, um, but I think now giving them um, singles and just choosing which songs I really want people to mm -hmm. show attention to and yeah. listen. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have to get a little lightning round Okay. before we get out of here. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite city to travel to? New York. Who's your favorite DJ? Steve Aoki. <laughs> what's the last great book you read? Um, The Four Agreements. What movie have you seen the most in your life? Kiki's Delivery Service by Hayao Miyazaki. I have no idea what that is. It's a very Asian thing. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like anime, an like Totoro. Oh, oh, Have you okay. seen Totoro? No. Okay, you gotta watch Totoro. Apparently. It's in English. It's not in Japanese. Okay. Yeah. I'm not afraid to watch a movie in Japanese, <laughs> but I've never seen those. Yeah. Like I watch Beat Takeshi movies. I seen he's those. like a he does um. He's probably too old for you, but he does like gangster <laughs> movies, and then comedies, weird like romantic comedies and gangster movies. Okay. He's kind of like the De Niro of nice. Japan. Nice. Yeah. Not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Um, I mean, I guess auditioning for The Voice. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. So complete this sentence for yourself. I don't have talent. I have blank. <laughs> um, I don't have talent. I have humor that didn't come off very funny <laughs> um yeah i guess i don't know it's hard being on the spot it's like yeah i don't know that's the idea i have vulnerability i have a great team so if i was on your team yeah what's something i would hear you say over and over um <laughs> uh, this is a really bad lightning round I'm taking so long no you're probably the best we've had usually people like just tell these big stories about something that I say can movie. I phone a friend sure what is something that I say often lightning round <laughs> Mike what Jones would you, what would you like her to say often? Mike Jones Oh, well, you say go team, so I say go team. Yeah. Yeah, I say go team. It's, it's more of... Is that teamwork or yeah. too hard or too trying or 
we get discouraged. Yeah. We, yeah, so me, her, and Kehan are, we call ourselves Warm Team. It's a, a long story, but. Okay. So we're always like, go Warm Team. Warm like, Team. Go Team, yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I was really pushing like warm vibes. Keep it warm. Yeah. For yeah, sure. warm and friendly, you know. Nice. It's warm. All right. Yeah. Who would you be most excited to learn is a fan of your work? Um, Tronada. Love him. Love him. Legendary. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great lightning round. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. Yay. Um, <laughs> so where should everyone find and follow you? Um, Instagram is the name is Yumi. The name is Yumi. Yes. Because Yumi is taken by a baby food company. How rude. <laughs> I know. If you're listening, Yumi Maybe baby you should buy food. that company. <laughs> One day, maybe. Yeah, no, no, no harm. Let's add baby to... food to the list. Yeah. Mugs. Mugs, baby food. Yeah. You just be one It can be baby umbrella. food served in mugs. Here we go. It's not really a good idea. <laughs> I know this baby is holding like this big <laughs> mug with like insults on it. Yeah. <laughs> See? Oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe. No. Um, yeah, so Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple Music. Sure. SoundCloud, YouTube. Everything is. All the places. Yeah. MySpace. Not MySpace. We should probably get it on. I love it how MySpace was coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't. Yeah, I mean, work out. You know, if MySpace wants to thrive, let them try and thrive. I'm not anti MySpace. (laughs) I'm not anti MySpace too. Yeah, yeah. So basically, everywhere. Nice. All all the main socials. Awesome. Well, excited to hear what comes next. Thank you. Excited to share. Thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime. Come back, promote stuff. I will. We'll sell our mug collection. (laughs) Yes, mug collection coming soon. 2019. Maybe 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a long time. That takes time to develop. That might take two years. You got to really get it right. Yeah. You can't come halfway with the mugs. Yeah. It's a very competitive market. (laughs) Yo, that was Yumi on Rebel Radio. Uh, Let us know what you think. Hit us up with a comment or a review on iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube. We have videos from a lot of our episodes popping up there. You can hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, our Facebook page, or most importantly, just come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.